Welcome to For What It's Worth, a podcast from Raymond James designed to help you plan, invest, and live smarter. Hi, listeners, and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Paige Lenson. We're glad to have you with us. You can find this episode and more For What It's Worth on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today, we're talking about a life situation that applies to roughly one in five Americans, even if they don't realize it. That statistic is from the National Alliance for Caregiving, which is our topic of focus for this episode. We'll be digging into the undeniable connection between the health and independence of our loved ones and our own financial and personal well-being. Here to provide her professional perspective on this topic, I'm really pleased to be joined by Amanda Stahl, Director of Longevity Planning at Raymond James. Amanda, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Can you get us started with a little bit of an overview when it comes to caregiving? I mentioned that stat that it applies to so many people, but they may not even realize it. Who actually is considered a caregiver? A really good question to ask is who isn't a caregiver? The vast majority of people will be a caregiver at some point in their lives, and those caregivers can be siblings, parents, children, or a friend. If you help with what you may think are simple tasks like taking a loved one to a doctor's appointment, picking up groceries, or mowing the lawn, you are considered a caregiver. So what comes to mind for, I'm guessing, a lot of our listeners, and even us when we hear this term, is probably that later in life, needing a lot of help with kind of daily tasks. But from what you describe, it's, it's a much larger population than that. Absolutely. According to the National Alliance for Caregiving, the number of adults providing unpaid care increased from 43.5 million in 2015 to 53 million caregivers in 2020. So that's nearly 10 million additional caregivers in just five years. And as we're seeing the aging population continue to grow, we're of course going to see a jump in caregivers as well. And that's specifically unpaid care. So of course there are you know, paid care providers that can assist, but that is just to your point, sort of assisting with loved ones, family members, friends that need help with these kinds of tasks. Absolutely. And a lot of that, too, is caring for individuals with Alzheimer's and dementia. Those numbers continue to rise as we see increases in longevity. Those types of diagnoses are going to continue to rise as well. And caregivers of those with Alzheimer's spend more than 20 hours a week on care. So think about a whole other part-time job on top of your full-time job. But this is an example of when proactive planning can really help alleviate stress during what could be a really long care journey. So somebody with an Alzheimer's diagnosis may live 10, 15, 20 years after that diagnosis. So maybe the care starts at home and the family can handle it. Then they're looking at bringing in home health care or potentially working with a memory care facility. So again, being proactive, thinking about what your loved one would want for their care is really important in planning ahead. And that's even before maybe that diagnosis is given, right? These are uh, unfortunately situations that a large portion of us are going to face as maybe it's our parents or our loved ones grow older. Some of this planning or at least thinking about the situation can be done even before it's sort of happening. Absolutely. So being proactive and thinking about what your health care needs might be, not only now, but in the future and during retirement, more than 50% of adults have a chronic condition, and that number is going to increase as you age. 
And just thinking about the healthcare costs, somebody with diabetes is going to have higher healthcare costs than somebody without it. So it's important to factor in those chronic conditions when you're looking at your retirement and making decisions around insurance, how you're going to pay for that care. So let's let's talk a little bit more about the connection. Of course, health is such a big component of this, and the health is sort of undeniably tied to the wealth piece of it. I think you've mentioned a couple stats already, but it's not just, you know, the financial situation of maybe the individual needing care, but this is taking a toll on those that are providing care as well. That's exactly correct. So we talked about those 50 million plus caregivers, and those are people like me and you and to the people listening today. The average cost of caring for an aging relative is about $1,000 a month. And somebody with a child with a chronic condition could be paying upwards of $1,500 a month for care. Caregivers experience a 26% greater impact on their physical health, their mental health, and 45% of caregivers feel that they have a financial impact due to their caregiving responsibilities. Not only that, but you need to think about caregivers who may be taking time away from work, leaves of absence, that's lost wages, and potential lost contributions to Social Security as well. Let's talk a little more about one of the stats you mentioned there, the impact that being a caregiver has on your own health. So, of course, these people are, you know, incredibly focused on the the well-being overall of the person that they're caring for. But it actually has, you know, can have a negative impact on your own health to be providing that care. Absolutely. Caregiving can be a stressful endeavor. Uh, There are lots of things that caregivers can do, though, like leveraging technology. We leverage technology to make all kinds of different parts of our lives easier, so why not do it when it comes to caregiving as well, especially when it comes to helping caregivers manage their responsibilities. So mobile health technology is really, really helpful, not only with things like helping them train for simple you know, changing of a bandage or different minor healthcare things they might need to help with. That's stressful to them. They don't have that type of training, but also support groups with other caregivers as well. So that technology, not only is it the examples that you gave beneficial for caregivers, so, you know, getting a little bit of help with being able to provide these tasks when you're not, you know, a medical professional, I'm sure it's probably a little overwhelming or stressful to be in that situation. Some tech can kind of help fill those gaps. And then I imagine there's also tech for those that are receiving the caregiving, a little bit of benefits to them to maybe be able to retain some more of that independence. Absolutely. Technology can also help older adults remain independent and stay in their home for longer. And most adults, over 80%, want to stay in their home for as long as possible. So how can we help them do that? Again, I mentioned mobile health technology. Staying socially connected has a huge impact on health and longevity. So leveraging tools like Alexa to stay in touch with loved ones. And it can also help with things like medication management sensors for maybe those with Alzheimer's and dementia, making sure that they haven't left the house or making sure that the stove is turned off and letting their loved ones know there's even things like mats with sensors that you can put beside the bed. So that caregiver has that peace of mind. Okay, my care recipient did get out of bed this morning and, you know, they're going about their day letting them know how they're doing. One example I have of that, even from my own life, I'm lucky to have Um, My husband has both his grandparents. They're about 90 years old. They're amazing. They now have a... um a video call device where they can, you know, see video calls from a little portal. um, And they talk about it every time that we see them. It's great because for them, it's, 
you know, a little bit easier, simple to have a device rather than, you know, all these meetings and virtual setups that we're getting used to. But even little technology pieces like that can make a, a positive impact on quality of life. It really can. And that brings to mind my grandparents as well. My grandfather is not a doctor of technology. He still has the flip phone and he resisted internet in his house for a long time. But oh, with I COVID... Mean, I miss the flip phone. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. With COVID and being home, he really wanted a way to stay connected to his family members and his loved ones. So he finally broke down and got Wi-Fi so that we could put Alexa in the house. And he loves being able to video call all of us. And I know this is a topic, Amanda, that of course it's weaved in incredibly to your professional life, but it's also one that I know hits home for you personally. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Sure, I'm happy to. So I mentioned my grandparents and they have a very touching care story or I find it touching. So my grandmother had a stroke in 2000. So for the past 20 plus years, my grandfather has been her full-time caregiver. She never really made a full recovery. So he's helping with everything from, you know, getting her dressed, bathing, eating every day, And as he's gotten older, we've then had to come in and help if he's had to have a procedure, making sure that somebody is there to help with his care as well as hers. And that's oftentimes been my mom. Talk about the sandwich generation. My mom is a nurse, so she has often become the default for these types of situations. But just for example, he had a procedure and was going to have about six weeks where he wasn't able to help lift my grandmother, you know, get her off the couch, get her out of bed. So somebody needed to go and help with that. And talking about technology too, telehealth was so helpful for my family because they were actually able to come down to Florida and stay with my parents and do the telehealth for the different checkups and things like that versus my mom having to take six weeks to go stay in St. Louis. So that was really helpful. Um, My mom too helps a lot. My sister has an autoimmune condition that affects her autonomic functions like her blood pressure, heart rate, her endocrine systems. And she has a two-year-old. So my mom is there to help with the nephew with her daughter and then also um, the grandparents. So she's definitely pulled in a lot of different directions. And we're so grateful we have her again, that medical professional in our family that we can lean on. That's about every angle of caregiving nearly, it sounds like. And and to your point, I think that sandwich generation, um, which is where uh, an individual is caring both for those uh, older than them, a generation above, and kids or grandkids um, being pulled in a lot of directions, I'm certain and I know that she's not the only one facing that. I think especially right now, I know that COVID has had an impact on some of these caregiving situations. What have you and your team seen over the last couple of years when it comes to that? Absolutely. So COVID was definitely an eye opener for all of us that we could be faced with a healthcare emergency or a care event really at any time. And it also shifted a lot of individuals' perspectives on nursing homes and care facilities. So I mentioned most older adults do want to stay in their home, and there actually was an almost 10% decrease in senior housing occupancy between 2020 and 2021. So you're thinking about that rise in caregivers. A lot of people chose to have their loved ones come be at home with them versus them staying in care facilities. I think we all saw you know, some of the s- stories about nursing homes and not being able to see loved ones, and that was really difficult for a lot of people. But that's really an example, too, of the importance of proactive planning. Do you want to stay in your home? Would you want to look at a care facility? How are you going to safely and effectively age in place? And we talked about what do your loved ones want and the prevalence of dementia. Talk to them before something like that strikes, when they're able to share their wishes 
We know my grandfather does not want to leave St. Louis. We will not take him out of St. Louis. We respect those wishes. They want to stay at home, and we're doing everything we can to make that happen for as long as possible. What do you see when it comes to maybe emerging innovations? Or, you know, we talked about um, the smart speakers, the apps. I know for many of us, those have become sort of commonplace. But what's on the future here? Has has things like AI, machine learning, are those going to come into play with a bigger role in the caregiving space? Absolutely. There's definitely the fine line and the struggle between older individuals and their comfort with technology, respecting their privacy. But there are a lot of different applications, even simple things like a tool called Paro. It's actually a baby stuffed seal that is a robot that can be really comforting for patients with dementia. It's about the weight of a baby. You put the pacifier in the mouth to charge it up at night. And it's just a really great, again, robot tool that can help comfort uh, different patients. A lot of other interesting emerging technologies in virtual reality where you can actually transport a dementia patient to a place that's familiar and comforting to them. Mm. So another way to, you know, soothe people that might be struggling um, with sundowners, that sort of thing. And AI as part of the healthcare system is always increasing. It can help with things like managing risk, predicting falls, and just better paint a picture of what type of care may be needed at home. A lot of studies, too, coming out around how AI can potentially help the families and caregivers of those with Alzheimer's and dementia with things like tracking activities of daily living. We mentioned that making sure they got out of bed in the morning, mobility, eating, hygiene, tracking what they're doing. But there's still a lot of work to be done. Again, making sure that those older adults are comfortable with things like surveillance. They may be skeptical um, and just weighing kind of the pros and cons and what's going to help alleviate stress versus add more stress for those older individuals. You've mentioned to us, you know, the value of proactive planning, proactive conversations, both with these loved ones who maybe need care and for ourselves as we're thinking about our future. And so, you know, to bring it home, the reason why we're talking about this is because a a financial advisor can sometimes have tools or resources to help with this, to help with the planning. Um, Is there anything that that you would recommend or that they'd be able to offer an individual who came to them with some of these concerns? There are a lot of resources out there that can help. Thinking about things like financial caregiving, where maybe an older individual with a little bit of diminished capacity doesn't need the financial reins taken away, but they want to be able to monitor the inputs and the outputs of the account, services that can alert caregivers if there's something off. Let's say mom wrote a $1,500 check that doesn't normally go out. Let's check in and see what that's about. Also, different portals that can allow caregivers to collaborate with other care partners, tracking appointments, storing medical records. There are professionals out there called senior or geriatric care managers. Now, they're not providing the care themselves, but they're helping to coordinate and find the right care providers, whether that's home health care or care facilities. I have a friend whose parents only speak Vietnamese, and he was having a really hard time finding a care professional that spoke Vietnamese. So I suggested, you know, work with a geriatric care manager that can help vet and find that person to help care for your parents. And even uh, professionals called Certified Aging in Place Specialists. They are specially trained to come in and make modifications to the home to make it safe and livable for uh, older loved ones. We're so appreciative for your perspective on this topic. If our listeners walk away from our conversation with one takeaway, what would you recommend to them? Think about who the caregivers are in your life and help support them however you can. 
Whether that's giving them a day off or sending them a quick message of encouragement, it can really go a long way. Amanda Stahl, Director of Longevity Planning at Raymond James. Thank you so much again for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. You can find more episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. For what it's worth, I'll see you next time. All opinions and information, including any price references or market forecasts, correspond to the recording date listed in this episode's description. Any performance figures noted do not include fees or charges, which would reduce an investor's returns. The information contained in this podcast is not research, nor does it constitute the provision of any investment, financial, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or recommendations to the listener. Raymond James and its financial advisors do not provide tax or legal advice, and you should discuss any tax or legal matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance is not an indication of future results. There is no assurance any investment strategy will be successful. Investing involves risk, and investors may incur a profit or a loss. Investment products are not deposits, not FDIC-NCUA insured, not insured by any government agency, not bank guaranteed, subject to risk and may lose value. Copyright 2020 Raymond James & Associates Inc. Member New York Stock Exchange, SIPC. Copyright 2020 Raymond James Financial Services Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC. Raymond James & Associates Inc. and Raymond James Financial Services Inc. are affiliates of Raymond James Bank.